We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Anthony Heron on 670 to score. For the better part of the next hour, I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It has been a minute since I've had a, a little bit of an extended time to spend with you, to share on these airwaves. So looking forward to the next hour as I will take you up to the pregame show here on The Score for Cubs baseball as they are out, I suppose, on the leftish coast uh not not necessarily all the way out to the coast out in colorado taking on the rockies that game will be heard by you right here on the score at 7 40 pregame it begins at seven so i will take you up to cubs pregame here on the score so plenty to discuss plenty to get into over the course of the next hour i'm excited to be able to do that uh i'll be back on friday evening uh after Parkins and Spiegel finish up their show Friday night. So as I was sort of plotting out today's show in my head with all the developing news here as of late on the Chicago sports scene, I'm kind of like, man, let, let me get into to all my Bears stuff and all my Bulls stuff and all the, the Cubs retrospectives and everything else. And really it just feels like, you know what, I'm going to have another opportunity on Friday. I've just got an hour with you right now. So I'm going to save up some of what I've, I was sort of considering for today, save a little bit of that for Friday the next time I'm back on with you for a more extended period of time on Friday evening. But really looking forward to today because there's at least a brief opportunity here to discuss some of the things that have developed here in Chicago, and I haven't had an opportunity to share with you some of my thoughts on some of these items, what, what's been happening with the basketball squad over at the UC, what's been happening with the uh, the true, the uh, the legitimate end of this latest era, in a lot of ways the most dominant, most successful era of Cubs baseball that we're just coming out of right now, and certainly 
what's happening on the south side of the city will be worthy of plenty of mention. But we got the Crosstown Classic that's coming up this weekend, so that'll be something else I'll have a chance to get into on Friday. So I'm planning on talking a lot of Bears as the show continues over the course of the hour that I have with you. But here in the initial segment, I do I do want to take an opportunity to address what's happening with the Bulls because it seems like and Brandon Fryer is on the ones and twos for me tonight, so Brandon can feel free to, to chime in here as well, where it feels like the city of Chicago doesn't completely know how to react to what's happening with the Bulls right now and, and with the moves that they're making at the moment. I feel like it's fairly simple. I, I find it really cut and dry how we should be viewing what's happening with the basketball squad because there have been – a number of seasons of futility coming off a number of seasons of frustration and the, the injuries and folks just wanting to run Garn packs out of town and trying to figure out why the Reinsdorfs are being so loyal. when it just seemed like, you know, like they were just seasons beyond what should have been the end of their regime. And they finally get run up out of here and you got AK coming in, you got Eversley coming in and folks are excited about that. Then you get the Billy Donovan move where you move on from boiling and now, after last season, where it was still only 31-win season, you know, obviously the, the overall regular season slate was a bit shorter than, than normal with just 72 games. But 31-41 and 41 last season, 22-43 and 43 the season before that, 22-60 and 60 the season before that. I mean, the team hadn't even won half their games in a number of years. What has it been since 2017, last time they were even 500 or above? And to me... I think all these maneuvers being made here in free agency, I I think the reaction is obvious. But the reaction from a lot of folks, I think, speaks to where where sports fandom, where sports analysis is at in 2021 versus what it should realistically be. Because how futile this franchise has been for a handful of years If you, as a Bulls fan, can't get excited, if you, as a Bulls observer, can't appreciate what's at least beginning to happen here, that to me is more of a you problem. I think your perception is just kind of warped of of what makes sense for this franchise at the moment. Because, you know, I I was talking to my pops about this today, and my pops is a longtime Bulls sufferer. But I think when it comes down to it, unless they were going to go out and find a way to, to nab LeBron from L.A. or get KD out of Brooklyn or, you know, from over in Tokyo, where he's at right now, who knows, man? Zach Levine might be over there trying to do a little bit of recruiting. He's still young. There's a lot of other young talent over there in the Olympic Games right now. So, man, Zach is getting, you know, getting the opportunity to rub elbows with some of the other top players in the association. So who knows? You know, maybe Zach is trying to make some stuff happen, if not for this season, but perhaps for seasons to come because of what seems to be the apparent excitement that he shares that reportedly he's all hyped up about with some of the moves the Bulls are making right here. And a lot of the reaction, I suppose, I suppose I'll call it muted. That may be the most accurate way to describe what we're seeing because, hey man, Lonzo Ball coming in. One of the, one of the better and one of the most improved young point guards in the game with size, with handle, with defense, with distribution, with the ability to get out on the break and, you know, being adequate 
fast break finisher in his own right, but most certainly to set other guys up, to set up some of the athletes that the Bulls have now been acquiring here lately between Levine, Williams, you know, bringing in uh, even DeRozan has, has some ability on the break and bringing in some of these other assets. But to have Lonzo Ball be the one who can become, in some situations, the main ball handler, and in other situations, to be the deferential piece. And like I've been, you know, I tweeted about this. I've been talking to a few folks about it. The ability he's shown, the willingness that he's shown, by comparison to the preeminent example in the NBA right now, Ben Simmons, of a guy who's just been either unable or unwilling to expand his game, to improve his game. What we've seen from Lonzo Ball in his short time, just four seasons in the NBA, is every single year. This guy who came in with a Pops who, yes, initially put a bullseye on his back because everybody wanted to know about about all the ball boys and about their father and and all the, the proclamations that he made initially. And Lonzo has just been a guy who has shown up and done the work every spot, He's been in. Do you like the the somewhat journeyman aspect that maybe is developing in a short time in his career? Perhaps not. But that's not necessarily through through the devices of Lonzo Ball. It's not necessarily through his doing. And I thought uh, Goff, Jason Goff, did a great job of, of describing some of that when he was on with Loho yesterday. Just these situations that Lonzo has ended up in have been part of why he hasn't necessarily been able to stand pat to stay put and flourish. But the game itself has gotten better every year he's been in the league. And regardless of what sport you're playing, regardless of of where you're at in your career, if you as an individual talent are showing an ability to develop a a willingness to work at your craft and and productivity-wise, you're improving season in and season out, I, I don't see any reason. I don't see any issue with why someone of his talents, with his enhancing productivity season by season, who is still in his early 20s, should be no issue with that as it relates to Lonzo Ball coming up and filling a need that the Bulls have. And you go over to Alex Caruso and, and what he means for this squad. And I know there's a lot of sentiment tied up into the, the possibility that Derrick Rose could return here. And who knows, man? I mean, Maybe D. Rose has gone from, from one of the most injured players, one of the most injured stars in, in Chicago sports history to the ageless wonder because he has found this fountain of youth and D. Rose found at his last couple of stops here a new version of his game, taking some of his old flair, some of his old flavor, his, his handling, his finish, mid-range game expanding a little bit beyond the three-point arc as well. And what D. Rose has shown an ability to do with his game I think it ages pretty well by comparison to, you know, the the Russell Westbrook version of the game that he displayed early in his career. So maybe, maybe in in the seasons to come, D. Rose finds his way back to Chicago. That ain't right now, though. And frankly, that's not what suits the Bulls best for the moment where Alex Caruso can come in and be your quintessential 3 and D guy off the bench backing up Lonzo Ball. So a roster that's emerging that was already really young, that is just like the the Bulls were younger than the Wisconsin Badgers starting five last year. You know, one one of your older and more experienced players in Zach Levine is still in his mid-20s. So this is a roster that can continue to emerge and the excitement 
that's there, understandably so, where now DeMar DeRozan gets added into the mix as well. And no, he's not going to add defense. But as much as the Bulls struggled on defense last season, what's kind of understated and, and underestimated a bit is how badly they struggled on offense too. Like there, there were no other options at a certain point other than them standing around and watching Zach Levine kind of do the James Harden thing in certain stretches. And for opponents coming into a game, like, yeah, you had to respect that young. But you weren't necessarily game planning to stop that young. You were game planning to stop Zach Levine. Then when they go out and get Vooch, now you got Nikola Vucevic in the mix here. So then you at least added another all-star level offensive talent who, who opponents at a completely different position than Zach Levine would at least have to game plan for and figure out what they were going to do with. So now Levine, that, that, the inside-outside game, the, the screen and roll, that didn't end up flourishing in the way that perhaps the franchise hoped for, but part of the issue was that they weren't surrounded by shooting. Zach Levine's one of the best three-point shooters on the squad. His, his three-point game has developed every season, but if he's the one leading your pick-and-roll game, then who's he kicking to? Got a whole lot of guys really inconsistent beyond the arc. Larry Markkinen, Kobe White, Patrick Williams. You know, the percentages overall for some of these names I'm mentioning are all right, but how consistently were you really able to count on them to knock, knock down shots? How consistently were you even able to count on a guy like Larry Markkinen to even be on the court for you, let alone be a consistent piece within your offensive arsenal? So you go out and get DeMar DeRozan. And so I think that the Bulls have done – just with what we've seen so far, really nice job of of keeping pieces and continuing to to identify the pieces that that probably need to be here that make them a better team, like a, a legitimately better team, a dangerous team, night in and, and night out. And this is, of course, assuming health and assuming the health of this lineup. You add DeRozan into the mix, a guy who can get you twenty at any given point. And you can sub him out for some other defensive possibilities as well. And so I think that the Bulls right now, where the the question that sort of muted a lot of the excitement for some of the folks out there was essentially, well, you know, they're not going to win the championship yet, so why is it such a big deal? Well, you know what? It it should go beyond that for a franchise that is taking the – what can be incremental steps towards improvement, but when you look at the money they threw – at some of these individuals, doesn't look incremental right now. And the money's being thrown around, around the NBA. I don't necessarily care if they overpaid for Caruso by a little bit. I don't really care if they overpaid for DeRozan by a little bit. It's a three-year deal. Would have been nice if it was a little bit shorter, sure. But overall, he's a necessary cog for the Bulls. It didn't necessarily have to be him, but his game will enhance the Chicago Bulls because he's a wing player that can score, and they frankly just don't have enough of those. When Zach Levine isn't on the court for the Chicago Bulls, they don't have a wing that can consistently fill it up. Will Patrick Williams develop into that? We hope so. Certainly seems like he, he's got the potential to do that. Will Kobe White develop into that consistent cog? Like it, it was nice to watch his game on certain nights develop into what it looks like it has the potential to become, but it's not there yet. You know what is there? You know DeRozan can be a guy who can be counted on night in and night out. If you say, you know what, you're getting the rock, you're getting your shots, get us 20. He's shown throughout his NBA career he can be that. And the squads that are competing to to make deep playoff runs, to have an opportunity at championships, 
No, they don't have a LeBron on the squad. They don't have a KD on the squad. They don't have a Giannis on the squad. That's obvious. That's apparent. They don't got James Harden. This is not a super team with a big three that everyone should be frightened of, but it is now a far more dangerous team as we sit here today than it was a week ago. And so I think there's credit that's deserved for that because we, we've sort of turned this thing in 2021, and it's you know been happening for, for a while now, probably the better part of a decade, where the discussion about almost every sports team basically turns into, are they going to win a title? If it ain't a championship team, then why do I care? If it ain't a championship team, why aren't they tearing it down? How come they're not rebuilding? Why aren't they trying to lose all their lose and go over over 82 the entire season so they can guarantee the number one pick? It's not how this thing works, man. That, that's not how championships are built, and especially where not necessarily the, the, the immediate Bulls brass that's in place right now where AK's just been here for a couple of seasons, Eversley's just been here for a couple of seasons now, but they've got a couple of off seasons in. They made some key moves with the coaches, with the roster, and so that portion of it, if we can continue to see under Billy Donovan some additional development of the talent that's here, and that's part of what I'm going to discuss, not continuing the discussion with the Bulls, but as I get it, because I know camp is open, a whole lot of you out there, as, as you know, you, you hit me up on the text line more often than not when I'm on here, you tweet at me more often than not when I'm on here, at Big Ant Heron, and if I spend a whole lot of time talking baseball when I'm on here for hours or talking hoops if I'm on here for hours and you want to know, why don't you talk more Bears, when are you getting the football, and blah, blah, blah. I got some football coming up for you next. But the final thought on the Bulls is about development, and that's where Billy Donovan and his staff – will be tasked with making sure that a roster, and especially a starting lineup that is still young and emerging, will develop in the way that it looks like they have the potential to do. Like Zach Levine, we've seen his game improve every season he's been here in Chicago with the Bulls. I don't have any issue building around that. Does it mean that they shouldn't look to at some point, go out and, and bring in, see if they can can grab that that true elite of elite star talent like the top five player or top ten player, whatever it may be, maybe a season or two from now, maybe Anthony Davis is more willing to return home to Chicago and and really kick the you know, kick things over the top with the Bulls like you you know, like you're really hoping that they'll be able to do. What they're doing right now makes the franchise overall more enticing for the most elite of free agent acquisitions. And until you get it to that point, to get championship level talent in, talent with championship experience, talent who you definitely think you need for your lineup, then yeah, you you overpay for a couple of guys. You you overpay a little bit for Alonzo Ball, perhaps, which I don't think they did, but maybe overpay for a Caruso and for a DeRozan to make those deals happen, to put yourself in a position, not for this season, but for what you're building towards in the seasons to come. And, you know, I don't look at it as simply as it ain't my money, so I don't care. There, there are cap considerations that go with it, but the NBA is a soft cap. So if Reinsdorf is saying I'm willing to go into the luxury tax to make some of these other major deals happen in the years to come, then cool. I hope that's the case. But for right now, they had space and money, and with that opportunity to spend it, they did it. And so far, who knows? They're probably not done, you know. Karnaschov is, is making it sound like they're, they're not done yet, and I would anticipate there would be more moves to, to be made in the post and on the interior. And with that in mind, I like what's happening. It's not the, the final pieces to this 
what, what everyone's hoping will become a championship puzzle, but your squad is making moves. Hey, and I want to say this, too. I think what it is with certain Bulls fans, too, you, you're dead on, by the way, dead on. I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. But I just think we've been so – like fans have been scorned by the mm. Gar Pax era so much. <laughs> and, we, and we also been a little spoiled because we had the greatest player in Michael Jordan, and we've been winning all these championships. And then it goes into just Gar Pax era where no excitement outside of the Rose years. It's right. just – and I think people are just so scorned by that and just afraid. So when they see these moves and they're like, well – that's not going to win the championship or that's not going to do that. But I, I completely agree with you saying that, look, these are the steps you got to make to even be relevant. So bigger stars can say, you know what? I like what they're doing over there. Let me go over there. Relevance. That, that is a great word, Brandon. Fire. Re- relevance is what the Bulls are now putting themselves in a position to achieve. And so now that there is a far more competitive lineup that's at his disposal, now, my gaze turns to Billy Donovan here because I look at like a Lowry marketing and it was only one season with marketing and uh, as per usual, he was available sometimes, other times he wasn't. And even some of the times marketing was available, he was kind of banged up. And that's kind of been the story of his Bulls career. And so, Billy Donovan, did you develop Lowry marketing last season? Nah. Did, did you develop Patrick Williams? It, there were some signs that you were developing him. There were some signs that you were developing Kobe White. But beyond those signs – at what point do we see them turn into sort of a, a fully fleshed out, I guess, relevant player to continue using the Brandon Fryer word there that I think was was very suitable for the position the Bulls find themselves in. So I think there's a roster in place right now, very similar to the Bears discussion I'm going to be having in a moment here, where development will be part of what we need to witness with Billy Donovan and the squad that's in place right now. They, they don't have the elite of the elite star or stars on the team yet, but you got a whole lot of pieces that should be more than qualified to be able to certainly at least make the playoffs, let alone you know perhaps even the potential to, to host the playoffs. And then from there, as you're showing you can build something, maybe put yourself in a Phoenix Suns type situation and the Suns weren't even this good last year the Suns just went out and got Chris Paul and turned them from from a losing squad into an NBA finals team so I mean th- these are the types of things that need to happen for the Bulls to make themselves seem more enticing for those most elite uh, potential acquisitions that can be a piece that puts them over the top and so you know if Larry Marketing isn't going to be here anymore if he's the I got Larry Marketing and Anthony Miller I've I've found to be two of the more the more frustrating developmental pieces in in recent Chicago sports history. Two players, you know, marketing with the Bulls, Miller with the Bears. You know, he, Larry Marketing is the Anthony Miller of Albert Almora's. You know, I just I think each team in the city has had like one of these types of guys that it seems like man that that dude might be really really good if they get developed, and then something just plateaus. You know, something just kind of fizzles out at some point. So, yes, I, I think I'll, I'll coin that. Lowry Markkinen is the Anthony Miller of Albert Almora's. I'll go with that. So I do have some Bears discussion on the way for you here. I'm with you up until 7 o'clock where Cubs pregame will be going on right here on The Score. I'm Anthony Heron. You can find me on Twitter at Big Ant Heron. Bears talk on the way. You will hear from a couple of the young studs over there at Hallis Hall next on The Score. You know, but I would lean more towards the, the weeks for him, and, and that's just – for I, I can't I don't want to put a time like you say that and that's it's very general for me so we're it's all going to be day by day on how much growth he has or improvement and that's going to be with Dre I, I do know this and I, I 
the 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 credit i mean every single day Tariq is in that training room every day days off um i just feel like he's doing everything he can to get that thing right so i hate to put a, a benchmark on it or a time frame um you know, and I just, it's just neat seeing him rehab. And in the meantime, that's all we can ask him to do. That was the voice of Bears head coach Matt Nagy discussing Tariq Cohen, talented young running back slash receiver slash return man who is injured. Uh, his knee injury extending right now into preseason training camp. I used to off reflex, call it two a days, but that, that's really not accurate for for most of the time uh, that the the preseason goes on here around the National Football League. So uh, I've tried to more and more get myself accustomed to referring to it just simply as training camp. But back in the day, it would just roll off the tongue. It was two a days. It was always two a days. I was getting ready for two a days. My teammates getting ready for two a days. Friends around the National Football League getting ready for two-a-days, two-a-days. At the collegiate level, at the NFL level, it was always two-a-days. Now, well, mostly one-a-days. Most folks are only hitting the field one time on a daily basis, and that's fine. I got no issue with that because even as we saw heading into last season where you could certainly, without a, a legit off-season program, without preseason games being played by anyone around the NFL due to COVID, when it came down to it and the regular season started up, everyone was on a, an equal footing because no one had an offseason. And the action on the field itself was still of a high level. Now, was it better a month into the season than it was in week one? No doubt. But I think overall the, the players and athletes around the National Football League have, have done a really effective job of getting themselves ready for the year. And things are just so different now than it used to be even, you know, before I was in the league in the early 2000s, but even well back before that, where it wasn't necessarily a year-round engagement in, in preparing yourself and keeping yourself in form to, to play and compete at the NFL level. But that's one of those things, one of those lessons that younger players go about the process of learning. And uh, when, when Darnell Mooney... Uh, had an opportunity to address the media a few days ago. Bears young star guy who I didn't know as much about just going through the draft process. And then when the Bears picked him up out of Tulane, just seeing immediately with no preseason games, with no offseason, what he was able to do on the field against the Detroit Lions. I, I pretty much right away, you know, I went on Bears post game live over on Fox 32 with my guys Luke Nellis and Jim Miller right away after that game that they opened up in Detroit and just seeing Darnell Mooney with, you know, a rather unimpressive statistical showing, but just being able to, to sort of see the, the nuance of the way that he played the game as a rookie with limited practice time and with no preseason games. And as impressed as I was with that, when the bears went on the road and, and found a way to come out with that win in Detroit, Mooney's a guy that stood out to me that that entire time since then, even without some of the statistical excellence that we see other young star receivers around the National Football League able to come up with. But a big part of the reason why, you know, why you, you see, you know, where I'm just using that first Detroit game as an example where he had three catches for 38 yards. So statistically, it's like a meh opening game of your career. Made a few plays, but even plays that weren't made 
partly because of errant passes, partly because of, of penalties on defenders, you saw some of, I, I won't go as far as to say star potential yet, because I, I try to be slow to, to, you know, some of that hyperbole that would go with it. But, you know, certainly some of the, some of the high-level potential that's there, some of the playmaking ability of a Darnell Mooney. And one of the things when he got a chance at the podium a few days ago to, to talk to the media uh, as Bears camp was, was opening up, he actually addressed some of that in his own right, the fact that he feels like there's a lot more meat on the bone for the types of plays he can make for this offense. I really I don't think I was able to like use my, use my talent, like my speed-wise. I, I didn't have anything breaking out wise, like catch a ball and like use my speed, use how fast I am. I haven't had, I feel like I haven't had that in two years, literally like college, my senior year and my uh, rookie year. So I'm looking forward, forward to being able to show that. So. Now, if you're the Bears, do you necessarily want a, a fifth round pick out of Tulane who's under six foot tall, under 180 pounds? Do you necessarily want that to be, you know, the, the key piece of your offense that, that you're, waiting to emerge I suppose that's not necessarily the the situation you would predict to be in but after watching his rookie year watching the ability that he possesses not just the straight line speed but the quiet hands and as important as anything the demeanor of Darnell Mooney like if, if Anthony Miller had the acumen and the maturity of Darnell Mooney he would still be here in Chicago making plays the reason that Anthony Miller was viewed as a tradable asset is because he's talented. He's made plays in this league. He's made plays for the Chicago Bears, but they felt like his development within this offense in this city had plateaued. And I I was checking a list that I put together just a few seasons ago, going into the, the 2018 season and looking at, you know, there were at the time going into that season, there were 41 of 69 players who were either active or on injured reserve on the Bears who had four years or less in the National Football League. And there were like 20 of those guys, 20 of those 41 who had four years or less that I, that I felt like I was impressed by. And, you know, the list included names like Adrian Amos, who ended up getting paid by the Packers. Uh, Bryce Callahan, who who moved on and got paid as a nickel corner. Tariq Cohen, who's still here and has gotten paid in Chicago, made a Pro Bowl as a return man. Of course, Kyle Fuller, no longer here. Eddie Goldman, still here now, you know, after the, the opt-out from last season. Eddie Jackson has gotten paid here. Uh, Roy Robertson-Harris, who, you know, continued to, to show the potential to emerge as an interior defensive lineman. Adam Shaheen, gone. Mitch Trubisky, gone. Leonard Floyd, gone. Cam Meredith, gone. There's There's been by my estimation, a good amount of talent here. And I constantly go back to the word development, not just in addressing the Bears, but in addressing a lot of the teams around the city. You just heard me talking about that with the Bulls because there are obviously the, the, two, the two conjoined roles that the front office has that also goes in tandem with the coaching staff. The front office assembles the talent, and then the coaching staff is tasked with, the, with developing that talent. And just like I was talking about with, with Lowry Marketing, the excitement I had when the Bulls drafted him, I was just as excited when the Bears drafted Anthony Miller because there were traits I saw from them and watching them closely at the collegiate level that I thought would really give a great opportunity for development. Like not a guy who, who would be amongst the most elite talent in the league, but high-level physical tools 
and frankly, a what I thought to to be a, a level of toughness at their amateur status that I thought would would allow them to progress progress well as professionals. And in both cases, neither one uh, in Anthony Miller's case definitively past tense lived up to that. In his time here as an athlete in Chicago, Anthony um, and Larry Markkinen looking like you know his time as an athlete in Chicago may be done here also. But that development end of the discussion as it relates to the Bears and, and a lot of those names. And like I said, there was 20 out of those 41 that I could have mentioned. I just wasn't going to read off the whole list. Guys like Nick Kwiatkowski and, and Jordan Howard I would put on that list. I had on the list at that point going into 2018 when Matt Nagy first got here as well. These are guys who had, who have physical tools, guys who have talent for their individual positions. Some of them developed well in their time here in Chicago. Some have not. And some who are even still here at the moment haven't necessarily like a skilled position talent like Tariq Cohen haven't fully flourished. You know, there's, there's a, still a little bit of a wait and see, even with a guy like Tariq Cohen, who we're just still trying to figure out what exactly is he within the Bears offense. And we'll see what that what that develops into once he returns healthy and, and you know, whatever this, I, I suppose we'll call it, new Bears offense it ends up being for this 2021 season, whether, whether it'll be the new old Bears offense that Matt Nagy has been aching to run since he first got here as the head coach, or will it be what we saw over the last month plus of the regular season that really seemed to suit his old line and his quarterback much better that Bill Lazor was you know reportedly calling the majority of those plays. So we'll see what that turns into for the Bears offense. But that development end of things relates not only to Darnell Mooney, to Tariq Cohen, but there, there are guys here who have the potential to be playmakers. But just like I said, my gaze will be trained on Billy Donovan. My gaze will also be trained with the Bears, as it has been, frankly, since he first got here on Matt Nagy and, and what, he can turn this roster into because I'm not going to sit here and act like it's the most elite offensive talent that he has to work with. The offensive tackle position is in shambles as it has been the entire time that he's been here as a coach. And so that's certainly one of the shortcomings I would say of Ryan Pace because there's just no depth at that spot and it hasn't adequately been, been addressed to enhance the depth. We'll see because we'll get some preseason games this year and we're apparently going to see some of the starters, some of the veterans on the field more frequently than we had in years past. But most importantly, I feel like I say this every time the Bears are playing preseason games over the last handful of years, we're going to have to watch that OT spot. We're going to have to see what happens at offensive tackle and whether or not it looks like there is going to be safety available to whomever is back there behind, behind center for the Bears at quarterback, whether that's Dalton or whether that's Fields. More Bears talk on the win. also have a – I suppose I'll call it some closing thoughts on how things ended up here with the Cubs. And uh, you won't be surprised that that the term development will be thrown around in that portion of the discussion as well. I'm Anthony Heron. I'm taking you up to Cubs pregame here at seven o'clock on the score. So one more segment to go before we send you out to Colorado. But for now, we got a timeout coming. More Bears talk on the way here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The score. Feels like games should be getting played this weekend. We wait so long throughout the football offseason, and then once things actually get going during training camp and the Hall of Fame game coming up here, and then from there, 
We're just a, a few short weeks away from the regular season beginning, but the condensed preseason is, is worthy of looking forward to because you got the three contests that'll happen, and Matt Nagy has been telling us, has been telling Bears fans, has been telling the assembled media that you will see more from the vets. You will see more from the old heads. You will see more from the starters as they take the field during the preseason. One of those individuals who we weren't able to see anything from last year who had proven himself at a level that made him a Pro Bowl alternate, made him the guy who, after the Bears drafted him in the second round back in 2015, he had performed at a level where the team said, yeah, let's go ahead and pay Eddie Goldman. And once they did, he continued to perform at a at a more than respectable level, but we didn't see him on the field last season. And there was so much mystery that surrounded the offseason of Eddie Goldman. And one of the things he ended up saying to the assembled media last week as camp opened and he got to address everyone was essentially that, yeah, you know what? I'm really not on my phone that much. That that seems like a little bit of a cop out as far as why, you know, just at least as, as Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and even some of his teammates were addressing the assembled media, why it kind of sounded like they were rather uncertain about what was going to happen. And certainly the bears brass, you know, we certainly did get a, you know, a little bit more from some of Eddie's teammates uh, just at, at different points who seemed confident that they would see Eddie again. And Roquan Smith talking about what he saw that, you know, Eddie was in great shape and Danny Trevathan. And I think that for, uh, for Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, for both those individuals, you know, being in contact with Eddie and they seem like, you know, probably as much as anyone, even more so than his D line teammates. We were hearing from the two inside linebackers about what they had seen from Eddie Goldman and what they expected as far as his return to the Bears, because he affects their game as much as anyone. But rightfully so, Bears fans very excited. Even though Eddie Goldman for the moment on the COVID list, we'll see where that leads, but plenty of time, of course, before the regular season begins. So no reason to think that Eddie Goldman, who has said he is vaccinated, that he will not be, uh, no reason to think he won't be safe and prepared once the regular season begins. But there were two, a few cuts that I, I wanted to share with you in case you missed it. Uh, when Eddie Goldman initially addressed the media. One of them, just talking about the time that he was away. I mean, you know, he was a 6'3", 320-pound uh, monster there on the interior of the Bears defense that made them, for several seasons, one of the top 10 run defenses in the National Football League. And, no, he hadn't necessarily developed into an elite pass rusher on the interior, but so what? They didn't need him to be that. They still don't need him to be that. His role was sorely missed last year in the Bears' run defense, so to show back up, and and have you know the adequate power and and girth and and conditioning that's necessary for someone like Eddie Goldman to handle things on the interior. He did end up talking about how over the past year and really year plus, when you look at the off season here, how he went about keeping in shape. It was it's pretty simple, you know. That's all I did, you know. It was train, um, you know. I would run here, run there, and um, you know I was just stay in the house and play with my dogs, you know. And uh, I guess, you know, if that's, uh, you know, be between being indoors and getting workouts in, doing some running, doing some lifting and just playing with his dogs. And he did talk about, you know, watching the games and texting his teammates afterwards, staying in contact with some guys here and there. Uh, but, you know, that's just a part of the the individual, the personal process that Eddie Goldman was going through throughout last season. I talked about it occasionally on Bears Post Game Live, not only just the the aspect of him being missed from the run defense and how, how apparent 
it was that his presence was missed there on the inside because when you are that that one technique, when you're that nose tackle, when you're the guy who can take up that space on the interior and eat up blocks and stop guys from getting up to the second level where your linebackers are trying to scrape and trying to read things to get downhill, smack that run game in the face. Eddie Goldman had showed himself at, as a, a really effective presence on the interior that Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan really flourished behind him because of what he was able to do. But he made a personal decision to opt out that myself and I would say most others really respected. It was good to hear him talk about where his teammates greeted him well as he returned. But most importantly, out of anything, especially with the, the mental health aspects uh, of, of how, you know, I, I think athletes are, are more and more willing to share some of the struggles that they have in, in, you know, from a mental standpoint and dealing with the pressures of, of their position of athletics. And of course, we've seen what's happened with Naomi Osaka, what's happened most recently during the Olympics with Simone Biles, you know, even on a, a more micro sense with, with Eddie Goldman, with a player who opted out last season and everything that, that society, that the planet, that athletes specifically dealt with in the midst of all that from last year and the mystery of his offseason, he, he did address whether or not he felt safe in, in returning to the Chicago Bears. I really I, I feel comfortable with um, the guidelines and the protocols the Bears put in place, you know, so um, I feel, I definitely feel safe, especially with the trackers that we have, you know, how they can track the, uh, you know, who you've been around, if you have the virus or not, you know, so I feel comfortable with it. And w- one thing that, that folks, I, I think, whether it's on purpose or just through ignorance or whatever, fail to remember one of the things Eddie Goldman did point out was that some of his considerations weren't only about him, but some things that went on, you know, with his family as well. And, you know, certainly I think it's, I've got my own, my parents and, and a lot of folks who I care about who, you know, COVID certainly for me and the way I interacted or didn't interact you know, with people last year, weren't just about my own individual considerations and whether or not I felt like I was at risk. But even at this point in being vaccinated, still concerns for whether or not I have the potential to affect other people that I care about. So, you know, Eddie Goldman only, you know, he didn't really go into any real detail about that, uh, what those other considerations were, but he did just sort of vaguely reference that there were considerations for what was going on with his family as well. And I 100% respect that. And he did, uh, when he was talking about things with the media, he did go about addressing just what his regret was as he did have to sit back and watch his teammates out there without him. Knowing what you know now, uh, how everything's kind of gotten to this point here, any regrets at all about sitting out or? Um, no, no regrets. Eddie, you left as a Pro Bowl alternate. Do you come back feeling pressure? I will, I will say, though, I will say um, the only regret that I do have is just the fact that, um, you know, my teammates went to battle without me. You know, that'll, that'll be my only regret. Eddie Goldman is one of the players on this squad this season that I'm most excited to see what he brings to the table this year. And not because I anticipate Eddie Goldman will be a splash player for the Bears, because that's that's just not necessarily what his game is. But the grunt work, the dirty work that's necessary for other players within that front seven to flourish, we've certainly, we've seen guys still continue to make plays without Eddie Goldman on the field. We saw that last season. But the defense was just different 
without him in there. there. There's a reason the Bears paid him, even though he's not one of the league's leaders in sacks. That's not what his position is necessarily about. And so I, I think that's part of what I'm going to spend some additional time when I'm back here with you on Friday night from 6 to 9, just talking a l- in a little bit more depth about certain individuals on this Bears roster from a development perspective that I'm really excited to see what they bring to the table this season and how that ends up affecting the, frankly, the futures of Matt Nagy, of Ryan Pace. Because like I said to Loho the other day when I was in studio with him, I don't necessarily think that drafting Justin Fields in the first round this season guarantees anything for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy moving forward with this organization. They're looking at this season. They certainly should be, and my impression is that they are, and it's part of what they're factoring in with Andy Dalton as the potential starting quarterback. They're looking at this season as a season not like the Jacksonville Jaguars where everything has been torn down and they're just building from scratch, and it's okay for them to lose for a couple of seasons before they get this thing figured out. These are guys who are accustomed to going to the playoffs two out of the last three years. These are players who especially on the defensive side of the ball, that have high expectations for what their career is supposed to be at this point and what they feel like they've been attempting to build towards in Chicago. So I don't think anyone is necessarily looking at it and saying that regardless of who the quarterback is, it's cool if we just sit around and and the offense sputters because Justin Fields isn't quite ready yet. I think when they feel like Justin Fields is ready, they're going to put him on the field. He's going to be in the lineup. He's going to be making plays. But before that point, if it's felt like for the initial weeks of the season that maybe Andy Dalton gives them the best opportunity at victory, that will be who's behind center because Eddie Goldman is still one of the younger guys on the team in his late 20s, but even for him, he's been around the block a lot with this organization. He has seen what the potential can be. There's a lot of guys who may not be here beyond this season just for financial ramifications, if nothing else. So I don't think that the you know who they end up putting in at quarterback will be affected by eagerness just to see Justin Fields in the lineup. I believe it will be really when they feel like he's at the point where he gives them the best opportunity to win the game. That may be sooner than later. We'll obviously see. But if Andy Dalton is the starter for a number of weeks, I think that's likely going to be because he's actually playing well and the Bears are winning some games early in the season in a very tough schedule. This has been a very short night for me on the score. As I mentioned, I will be back on Friday night. I'll be here from 6 to 9 p.m. And so we'll have a lot of fun when we get into that. The Crosstown Classic will be going on between the Cubs and the White Sox. I'll have plenty to discuss along those lines. Planning on heading out to Bears practice Saturday morning as well. So I'll probably talk to you a lot about my preview for what I hope to see when I get out to Hallis Hall on Saturday. But aside from that, we had no guests over the course of the hour. It was just myself and Brandon Fryer. Holding it down for you here on the score. So right now, I will get out of the way for Cubs pregame as the Chicago Cubs are in Colorado getting ready to take on the Rockies. We'll see if there's another another offense fest that takes place out there in the thin air in the mountains. But for now, look forward to talking to you, chopping up with you again on Friday night. Appreciations and salutations for listening in. I'm Anthony Heron. This has been Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 